Welcome to Rack, where we're women talking about kink responsibly. I'm Emma. And I'm Kali. And don't forget to click, like, subscribe, all of the things. Because, again, this is being brought to you by the KCAPC Network. And we'd like to thank our sponsors for tonight, Black Unicorn Magics and Paul's Diner. Well, ladies, welcome. Uh, I know Emma and I are super flipping excited to, well, you're our first, you're going to be our first interview for Pride Month. You really are. So we're like super excited. Um, For those listening, uh, both ladies just did jazz hands in their camera um, (laughs) and are smiling from ear to ear. And yes, just like I am smiling ear to ear. So if you're going to narrate. Oh, and, uh, oh, oh, well, hello. Okay. <laughs> we need to save that for July, which is our month of sex. Um, listeners, <laughs> we just got the best peep show. Um, Photo Jan just literally flashed us. And not only did she flash us, she stood up and then jiggled. And now we know she's got one piercing on her right nipple. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, I just let the world know that you've got a piercing. And it's not bars, ladies and gentlemen. It's a ring. What did I get myself into? Who the hell knows? (laughs) Well, let's start off with um, just some fun, some fun topics to start off with to kind of ease into the to the conversation. So, all right, this is a topic, ladies. Serious face. It is near and dear to my heart. It is something that all of us have been wanting. In needing in life, and that is the advancement of House Bill 2704 in the state of Missouri to legalize recreational marijuana. Hells yeah! Yeah! About time! Oh my god! I, you know, I never thought this would happen, and um, it's really gonna be good for everything and everybody. It's, um, it's not the terrible substance that we've been taught. It's it has been for years and years. And, you know, people can be thriving, intellectual, responsible folks and still, you know, use cannabis. And, and I'm really, I'm thrilled. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think that the effect of it being criminalized is absolutely insane. And the effect on the people's lives, I mean, it's ruined lives over fucking cannabis. <laughs> like, there are so many worse substances and worse things that you could be doing with your life that it's it's insane. It It's insane to me. So I'm looking forward to the passage of the bill. It'll definitely help a lot of people. I think that it could not have come at a better time, too, because we have all seen, and this is something that Emma and I have talked about, mental health issues, especially coming from COVID and being locked down during the pandemic. Like, I feel like this is something that is agreed, beneficial, ultimately beneficial. Obviously, it's still going to be controlled. Because if you read the actual House bill, they're going to take it off certain controlled substances lists. But however, it's still going to be like it sounds like there's like some movements called the Legal Missouri 2022, which is a petition and initiative 
that they're trying to make sure that when this recreational use comes about, that it's that um, owners of dispensaries and people who apply for the recreational use and stuff like that, that it's done in a quote unquote fair manner. I don't know. I haven't read too much on it. I've been mostly following the house bill. (laughs) So anywho. All right. Moment of truth. Who here smokes? Oh, you guys got to say it verbally. Oh, uh, this is Janet. I can <laughs> bless me, Father, for I have not sinned. I have sinned. Well, I don't know, but I... <laughs> all right. Best story. Best. Best. Okay. What's one of your favorite stories of a time of when you have partaken of the of the herb? <laughs> Well, um, I can tell you how being a girl actually worked in my favor one time. Um, I was basically smoking in the family uh, station wagon in the uh, parking lot of my high school. And a few of the vice principals routed the car and did their whole thing and took us all inside. So I was the only woman. Something and the rest were guys. Some things never change about my life. And so they took all the guys into the uh, the gym and strip searched them. <gasps> took me in, yeah, one was juvenile and one was uh, an adult that had uh, flour on them. So um, they went through that. I had stuff with me, but <laughs> back in the day, old hippie lore was that if you got caught, you know, you have a small amount and you could just eat it and it'd all be okay. Yeah, I heard that. That's what I did. But you know, <laughs> the problem is I have a glass of water Ew. in the room. And I started like, there was green, like like little flakes were coming out of my mouth whenever I, I was trying to chew it. It was like a big bite. And then I was like, it's all over my teeth and all this stuff. And I, I finally, they took a long time, luckily, going through it. So I ate the marijuana. So oh, God. You try to do that. <laughs> And then I had to call my mom and tell her to uh, to ditch the stuff I had at home. And my sister told me she came home from school. And my mom was cussing up a storm and throwing all this stuff into the garbage disposal and running through the garbage like like a quarter pound through. The- wait a minute! Wait a minute! Oh your mom, God. your mom, your mom was complicit in all of this. That is oh, awesome. No, no. Yeah, I guess so. God rest your soul. You're like, like, Principal, that's spinach in my teeth. That's nothing. That's just spinach in my teeth. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm dying over here. I am dying. And and to top it off, she did go to, like, some of those educational things that the police present at the school. Tried to, you know do her due diligence so they light some like in an ashtray to to see if you know so the parents can see what it smells like and my mom goes i don't smell it it's like okay get a little closer she's like, i still don't smell it so the 
<laughs> the police officer is like, get down really close here. So she's like nose hitting the stuff he's burning in the ashtray. And then she kind of realized she did get a hit there. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, my God. That is crazy. So your mom got high at a demonstration. Well, I don't think she really got high. Oh, okay. She admit to that, but she took she got some up her nose, I think. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that story. I feel like we could end the conversation right here happy, <laughs> but alas, we will not. <laughs> oh my god. So <laughs> photo Jan or Janet. Please introduce yourself. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. What do I say? I'm a photographer, and I've been out in the scene since, uh, well, I figured out I was uh, uh, kinky probably in 1980, so I was still in college, and then I um, kind of started uh, going to events um around 87 a lot of them were out of town leather events and uh then about in 92 or so um I was at an out-of-town event and I met this man who was also from Kansas City and wanting to start a chapter of National Leather Association so we did that and um I had worked for a feminist newspaper too, like while I was in college. So um, I started photographing leather events, you know, like my own, but also the other ones I was going to. And then after a while, you know, the producers would, would book me and make sure I'd come <laughs> and show up, and, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't getting paid. It was, you know, I could get free admittance, you know, free entry and, Sometimes, sometimes people gave me hotel rooms, so that was really cool. And um, there were a lot of things I was at that no one else was photographing, but that's less the case now, which is good. And um, I met a lot of people and had a lot of fun. <laughs> so you, um, you realized you were kinky in college. Did you realize you were gay at the same time or before? before 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 yeah so it's sort of like it was staggered yeah which is maybe a little helpful you're not hitting your friends or family with two big things at once <laughs> are you out to your family as kinky too uh, he, he, uh well i used to say yes because my siblings know I have nephews that are in their 20s, and um, I thought I was going to tell one of them once. They're very secretive about who they're dating. They're either all gay and in the closet, or they're not dating at all. I don't know what's really going on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I asked him, you know, I thought, well, you know, maybe he knows this, you know. And I said, have you ever heard of BDSM? And he's like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, okay, that's as far as I've gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh you my know? gosh! Because well, and it's interesting. I was looking through your profile the other night in like preparation for this, right? 
because I realized that like I have no idea who you are as a kink person other than leather right because I haven't seen you play and so I was looking through your profile and I was like oh Jan kick it down <laughs> right but like I was perving on it and the same thing I was like um and then I saw what she wrote that she's identifies as a sadomasochist and I was like oh okay that tell us sense. a little bit about that <laughs> um well I think everybody coming in to the scene you know you explore a lot of things and sometimes at the beginning like I didn't think that I was into pain at first um it just kind of started happening and when I came out you know people were into flogging and, and especially in a lesbian community there was a lot of um other things pretty intense just sm but also needle play, which wasn't really practiced outside of the lesbian community a whole lot at first, at first. And um, so I began seeking out uh, people who knew how to do things and have uh, had some regular friendships uh, like that. Um, and uh, I did some serving because that's just part of what it takes to put on an event and to help people if they're producing an event. So I was um, a regular play partner of someone who owned International Ms. Leather uh, in the, let's see, how many did she own it? From 2007 to 2013. Wow. Uh, <clears throat> So we had to make a deal that I couldn't be into service to her and in service to the event at the same time. Oh. <laughs> so, so I would have my helping her hat on for, uh, I usually get to San Francisco on Monday and we do a few fun things and go down to the market and, you know, experience the city and then come back to the hotel and be there for basically four days without leaving. <laughs> yeah. And wow. A little bit of leaving. Um, but it was in a pretty cool part of San Francisco near Pike Street. And, um, and I, we, they also had a thing that they put all the contestants on a bus and drove them around the city so that when they got back to wherever they were, they had something to tell their boss and their family and all the other people <laughs> that don't even know what they were doing. That's um, hilarious. So we did that, and uh, and it was really fun. But um, then when it was time to start photographing, you know, the photo <clears throat> hat went on, and, and I had to ask people to make me sandwiches because <laughs> I was busy. <laughs> so... It went like that. It was pretty fun. We'd have one big room and, you know, 5,000 things plugged into every outlet. Three <laughs> printers, a toaster oven, a real toaster, of several coffee pots, a microwave. What else do we have? One time the lights went out and I was sure it was us. And then they were saying the whole block is down. I was still sure it was us. <laughs> circuit you know but, but you know we're starting to just the show must go on so we're counting flashlights and we're texting people to bring all the flat we're gonna have a flashlight show in in this ballroom for 450 people why not yeah i love it that 
you know what? Make some kinky lemonade from lemons. Yep. Why not? <laughs> yeah. So that's all fun. All fun. I, I recommend volunteering for groups because you really do have a chance to get to know people. And after a while, it feels really good to contribute. I mean, it always has. But one of the reasons I joined the Pioneers was because that was a real central goal of theirs. Um, we were able to give financial support to different uh, local uh, HIV and youth gay uh, things that really affected um, our smaller community inside of Kansas City. So we haven't been able to do that since COVID. And, you know, our main fundraiser was Coat Check. And so we may have to make a, a more um, Coat Check isn't going to make it anymore. So pioneers, let's let's talk a little bit about that. How did you get involved with pioneers? Um, actually, you can come to any of our events. Really, all our events are open. We do an education night on the third Wednesday at Missy B's. On the second Thursday, we have a social at Woody's, and um, we have a regular meeting the third Sunday of the month and um you can come to all those things um i met my boot black mentor at an education night at um for casey pioneers oh and really so, yeah, i did yeah that is so cool oh yeah yeah um and so i mean it's i think they're super nifty and helpful <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I might be slightly biased. <laughs> <laughs> what is leather? Uh, leather was the code word that gay men used for their um, rough sex, kinky sex, sexual interests, bondage, fisting, um, uh, different kinds of male sex. Um and, you know, you couldn't just put SM on the title of anything back then. If you notice a lot of the old names, they don't, there's very few where they started getting the SM in there. But then, you know, now people can just say, you know, badass play party or whatever they <laughs> want to call it, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, whips and chains and more, or you know, <laughs> SM and fetishes, you know, it's, it, so, so leather kind of, and, and because leather itself was associated with the motorcycles, which were um, purchased by men after World War II, which is where gay men, for the first time, and the men who were that age, met a ton of other gay men. And so that was really a boost to gay um connections uh world war ii and um i actually at one point worked for a couple of lesbians that had been in the military and for people who never met another gay person and went into the military they were going to meet a gay person pretty soon and it was a great thing you know but it was also had to be so covert and people did get uh People, some people got dishonorable discharges and that it's, it's not as bad as having been to jail, but it is not good. It's pretty mm -hmm. bad. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, you don't want that. After a while, they started giving just a neutral, regular discharge, not necessarily honorable, but not dishonorable. I think there was a middle ground that they can discharge as their. Well, I mean, historically, the don't ask, don't tell got repealed, what, 10 years ago? I mean, it really is a fairly recent thing. I can see where being in the military and being gay, it was a very covert, you know, cloak and dagger had to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we, it wasn't even legal to have gay sex until 2006 in all states. Oh, geez. You forget that sometimes, like how recent a lot of that is. You ask people, you know, and, and what percentage of the population do you think is gay? Mm, 25%? I think about 90% if we're looking at a spectrum. <laughs> okay, there I you go. You All right. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I oh, guess I, I was thinking more like would actually write it down yes or no on a survey because I don't know that a lot of people would still admit that today in this day and age, depending well, on the, dem- the demographic, I guess. And think about it. When you're talking about gay sex, you're also talking about sodomy. How right. many husbands want to do sodomy with their wives? Oh, my God. I know so many that want to receive pegging. I know so many that, right? yeah, obviously give anal sex. But, like, I know a lot of het men that like pegging. <laughs> but that was the language used in a lot of those laws. That's true. That's true. Dang, you forget. 2006, that was not that long ago, man. See, and I don't forget. <laughs> I remember that shit. With, with, look, I've met some young gays, and they're some younger than me, and they're like, oh, it's so great. We can be who we are. And I'm like, yes, you can. Isn't that great? Don't forget it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't want to be reminded, and this is where the danger is. If people want to find out, you know, what the old days were like, there are people that would love to send us back there, and that's um, tragic to me. Oh gosh, yeah, scary because people have already come back, come out, so we can't go back in. The club right. can't just, you know, like I went came out in the leather community. I used my full name, and a lot of people that came out around that time, we all used our full names, and I'm like, well, you could think up of something now, and maybe in about five years, nobody would remember your real name. <laughs> so do you have a quote-unquote, you know, like, coming out story to your family, or? Um, well, I don't know. As far as gay or leather, I, I, let me think about that. Gosh, Um I think when I told my mom, she was upset. She felt very responsible, you know, mm-hmm. because she had been battered and she had to do what she had to do to survive. And so she, you know, thought she just needed to absolve herself of responsibility for me being gay too. That was a big thing back then is, you know, your mama made you gay or whatever. Oh, gosh. Um, but she said, don't tell the girls. And I said, mom, they already know (laughs) you're the last person I'm telling. (laughs) Got a funny look on her face, but it was never hard for her. I mean, it was never easy for her. And then I think at some point, you know, I didn't have a regular partner I was bringing around and, um, 
she had some memory loss and I think she forgot I was gay. And then she was pretty much all cool with me, but she was always very, like she had to be so, like she, I was her project to fix up. This girl needs fixing up. <laughs> you know? Wow. Oh, so, you know, I'm not really that fixable. <laughs> Oh, like I came home and I had this, you know, nose ring and all this stuff. And, and she's like, Oh, I don't like that. And I said, well, at least I took the chain off that goes from here to here. <laughs> <laughs> to feel better about it. Oh my God. So you've, you've been out since before the eighties or during the eighties. It's been a while. You've seen, quite a bit of change in the community. Um, so as far as the national community, um, most of the stuff I was going to was uh, at the beginning in 87, when I went to the March on Washington and we had a letter contingent and they had a conference and there were maybe like five women there and the rest were all men. And I did meet a heterosexual woman that had come down from New York and photographed her and she was really nice. We hung out and just, you know, it was all really new. And so eventually though, um, the internet happened and then a lot of people found us that had never heard about us before. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's when maybe heterosexual people started coming out to events. And then it was a while after that before they started actually doing their own events. Um, and I would say now, you know, almost anything you go to is pretty mixed, really. Mm -hmm. and, um, so that would be one of the biggest changes. I don't know what else has changed. Um, dungeons. We didn't have dungeons. <laughs> 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 Sex at the bar. <laughs> Wait, uh, sorry, pause. You had sex at the bar? Um, I did once. You know, oh, do you tell? Things like, you know, you have to do, I saw the opportunity. Um, <laughs> it was at The View. <laughs> okay. I mean, you've been leather now, it sounds like, for a few decades. So does it get easier? Like, I, I don't know much about leather, but I feel like leather's kind of a, can be a hard lifestyle sometimes. Or not hard, but a harder lifestyle than, like, others, you know, like just the glorified exploring or kinkster, you know? Well, um, I mean, the way I feel in leather is uh, amazing. You know, just wearing leather pants, leather boots. A, a leather jacket, you know, it, it's just amazing. And I feel strong. Like when I'm leaving my house unaccompanied, I'm leaving a bar unaccompanied. I feel like, you know, I could throw my boot at him. It's <laughs> someone in the eye, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I pity the poor asshole that tries something on me again. Because that did happen once, and I chased him down and called the cops, basically. There's a longer story associated. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. It was, it was weird. So, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't want to tussle with me. <laughs> <laughs> like I know for us, Janet, you have been amazing. Um, you're where we learned about tripping, right? And like how great that is and how that's an actual thing. What? About what? Tribbing. Oh. <laughs> Janet's yeah. smiling. Listeners, Janet's <laughs> smiling. Out. Are you sure it was me? <laughs> it was. It was. You were talking to Miss about it. It it was it was so Miss was talking about something we were doing in the bedroom and you were like, Oh yeah, that's that's a thing. Like that's oh, a thing. Okay. I was gonna say, like <laughs> No Wait, a real wait. Janet has a move. Gina has a move, a sex tribbing move named after her. What? <laughs> no. Oh, I misunderstood no. that. I misunderstood Mrs. that. Miss was talking okay. about a thing that uh, she and I do in the bedroom. Miss and I do in the bedroom. And we're like, yeah, it's this thing that we're really into, blah, blah, blah. And Janet was like, that's a thing. Like, <laughs> there's okay, a word I, for I that. Have a dictionary there. Yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> it opened up a whole world because we're like, we're like, no one knows <laughs> what is about this. <laughs> we're like no one ever talks about this so we must be like the only weird ones in the room who are into this it was such a fucking relief I, I don't know what it is lesbians unless they're kinky do not seem that good about talking about sex yeah we're really why, bad at it why is that why 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 is it so hard why i i've dated women in the past and it is i'm the one who's like always bringing it up and it's i it, either they get uncomfortable or the women that i've dated are like well i don't know and i'm like really like why is it so hard why well sociologically we're trained to not talk about it and to not want to enjoy it no, forget that. I want to know how to please you. I want to. I'm going in. I'm going down there to figure it out. Yeah. No, and we need more collies in the world for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm known as the gremlin with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gremlin. Um, oh my god! So, so Janet literally schooled you both on what tribbing was. This is yeah. like. That's your legacy, Janet, right there. Not the pioneers, not the photography, not the being the archive, the archivist, you know, through beautiful artistic photos for the past several decades of the community. But the fact that you were able to help two baby kinksters, you know, two lesbian baby kinksters figure out what tribune was. Well, and you know what? That is important. That really is the most important stuff is because when... I figured out I was kinky and gay and all those things. There was no, no place to go to find out more, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, part of why I do what I do is because I wanted somebody like me, you know, to be able to see, you know, something about women into kink, lesbians into kink. Um, and, and so that's, a lot of why I did it because it's it's lonely, yeah. lonely for long periods of time, and you know um, anything that uh, I can do to relieve that from someone else really is is at the core of of the whole purpose of why I do it, why I make the pictures, you know, so someone can look at it and go, I've always wanted to dress like that, you know, 
why, you know, do the play? I never thought that was possible, you know, but I can show people, yeah, yeah I can take those hooks in my chest. Surprisingly, <laughs> there's other things I can't take, like fucking being fucked. Oh my God. Oh yeah. That whole story. It kind of ended up, I'm, I'm going, oh my God, millions of women across the world. No, billions of women across the world do this every day. Why can't I do it? I can do this. I'm trying to get myself through that's, that. That's such a that's such a hard feeling to have sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We but do. We can. Okay yeah. I, I actually think it's hilarious, and I'm comfortable with the fact that it doesn't work for me. And I have had people that work with me, and sometimes uh, make it work. So I'm cool with that too, really. But I, I adore. Actually, I adore fucking someone with my dick, and I think I've mapped into it. Like, you know what a body mapping is? Mm -hmm. I don't. Um, it's your body knows, uh, your mind knows the outline of your body. It knows where everything is. It knows where your fingers are. You can, you know, touch your toe in the dark, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes... Uh, and I don't know that I was practicing doing it so much or all the time, but after a while, <clears throat> I was with this one woman, and uh, she normally liked people look more butch than me, but it was Sunday afternoon, and we'd been working on an event together, so I was like, let me, let's just do this. And she came out of there going, oh, can't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> <laughs> you broke her pussy. You know, you so tell me these things like you could put a vibrator in there. And I said, that feels like that would be distracting. And I kind of realized like, like then I'd be thinking about my clit instead of my dick. And she's like, no, but you'll get off. And I said, I'm getting off. <laughs> you know? I'm good. So I'm good. I got I think, this. the only thing I could figure out is that I mapped into it because it feels really weird, really real. And, and if somebody comes at it really fast, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, it's like, it's too much. It's too much. Just treat it like a real one, okay? That is <laughs> fucking awesome. That is awesome. Wow. Oh, I'm, I'm way more butch than I look, I think, most of the time. But I try to, you know. But I, I did, well, at one time, at one of the runs, one of the Kiner runs, I scared a man by having this skirt on and it had buttons all the way up, snaps all the way up. And I had my silver metal dildo underneath. So I flashed him and he was like, take, you know, take, pluck out my eyes. I'm never going to be the same. You're going to make it straight. And I'm like, no, none of that's going to happen. <laughs> that is awesome. Not oh my God. After you're done with me. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So, what are some of your favorite events that you've been to around the country? Uh, definitely International Miss Leather. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that's the one I've been to the most. So, I went to it in 93. I missed 94, but I've been to everyone since 95. Wow. Long, two years off, but I think they're going to do it again in April of 2023. Um, 
I just find it so amazing. And any kind of woman you can imagine comes to this event. And there's a lot of the people who aren't women are very supportive. And it's trans friendly. It's, um, you know, varieties of ages. IMSL right now has their first uh, owner who's a woman of color and also a Canadian, so our first international owner. And when I heard she was being appointed uh, Mademoiselle CC, I was just so happy because I'd seen her present and talked to her a few times and she's just so smart. She's forward looking, you know, Insel didn't have much of a website before she took over and that's what she did with all her time. And she's also created a business that hosts other gay and kinky events. And um, so they're really building a resource for the whole community and keeping it alive without having an in-person. So they can't charge hardly anything for, for it. And, really living on donations right now. So, but it is going to happen in San Francisco in April, 2023. And um, it's, it's, you got to go to San Francisco sometime anyway, right? (laughs) Of course. Um, I noticed on your, on your FetLife page, there's a lot of, um, Maybe not like necessarily political, but political <laughs> content. Um, your your views are quite clear in your postings, and I know that I know that I've heard you know leave politics out of kink and so on and so forth. And uh, it I, I I'm always glad to see when people don't do that. <laughs> But I'm wondering for you, like, how do those, how do those intersect? Because I know you were around for, um, for the AIDS epidemic, which was highly, highly political, highly affected mm-hmm. um, our communities. And I mean, I think to some extent, there are still political things that are happening that highly affect communities that intersect with you. You know, the original, you know, gay leather clubs were very political, especially around HIV. And in fact, um, if you watch some of the, um, it was a little bit before my time, but, um, you know, I was a lesbian on a feminist newspaper in 1980. And when AIDS hit, the guys kind of came to lesbians to go show us what to do how do we how do we go talk to somebody about our you know in the in the government how do we talk to our representatives how do we get you know laws passed we were working on legislation and stuff when i came in we were working on the era Mm. rights amendment and uh so i think you know when politics is gonna take away my right to be, um, you know, privacy and control over my own body, then I do have something to say. And um, a lot of times I may do those outside of the group structure 
especially now that we have our not nonprofit because we could lose it for for that. And uh, but we did uh, before we had our um, well, and this I think we could still do. We did do a uh, voter registration on Westport Road a couple of times before the 2020 election and um, got help with the sisters. That was great. And um, so I think it's it's hard to be gay and not have uh, feel the influence of politics. You know, um, I mean, I started getting groped as soon as Trump was in office at events, at, at leather bars, at gay leather bars by straight guys. You know, it's, these things make a difference, you know, and that's become my biggest thing right now. One of my biggest things that and, um, you know, we're going to have to all do something about this abortion ban. This is going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. That that scares me that the fact that the majority of our Supreme Court justices have all agreed to draft such a thing. And, you know, we were bullied into approving those um, those new justices when we were blocked for over a year. It's just like, mm-hmm. how can you trust anybody that can't play fair? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, but, so we're going to have to figure out something else. And I've been watching some of the things. I watched a really interesting, um, you know, uh, when I came out was working on feminism, the only reason that was happening was because some Republican in had dropped the word sex into the civil rights bill because they thought that would for sure cause it to fail, but it passed. But that three letter word was in the bill. And that was, that was our little string that we could grab onto and pull up by, you know, and that we were going to take that and we were going to get the Equal Rights Amendment, you know, and and started realizing, you know, they didn't want to give us our rights either at all. You know, my mom couldn't get a credit card. Oh, Um, my gosh. You know, and, and the people who in our families, I want people to think about this, our grandmothers, they didn't have birth control. They didn't have abortion. They were doing other things. And my mom told me the story that my my grandma went through. And so, you know, I got to go out there for my grandma because, you know, she did the best she could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Ruth Bader Ginsburg's right. If it didn't happen to a man, then it doesn't matter. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But a, a man has got to be feeling the pain, and then maybe something can be done. Oh, there's no way they'd ever menstrual cramps. Every male would cave. Every male would cave. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I've I have been pro-abortion since I since I was a teenager in a very very Republican town right um and i i've gone toe-to-toe with several people on the topic um making it illegal does not remove access it just removes access to safe abortions right Mm -hmm. 
Well, the whole, the whole, there's just a, a certain amount of ridiculousness associated with the, oh, well, let the states choose. Okay, fine. Let's say I am a single working mother who needs, who can't have another child, and I'm in a state that I can't afford to leave. I can't pick up and move and go to another state because my state decides, nope, you're going to have to have it. You know, like, yeah, I just, mean, they're trying to cover all those bases and they're, they're trying to take away uh, plan B mm-hmm. and yep. make it illegal to ship plan B into a, a state, a state that won't, yeah, how this is going to hold up. What we're going to have is we're going to have little mini countries and each country is going to have their own law on how women's autonomy is. That's what it's going to turn into. Well, yes, because it's not I, important enough. But then yeah. they're going to pile up. And the extra cost of medical care is going to pile up. You know, this there is a cost. There is even a money cost, you know. I mean, oh, unfortunately, for sure. Unfortunately, I don't think it matters. Yeah. Right? Because the dead bodies aren't men. The dead bodies are going to be women. True. Right? <sighs> So, like, when COVID started, I had a hell of a lot of straight friends who were like, how could the government do this, blah, blah, blah. And I had older gay friends who were like, we lived through the fucking AIDS epidemic, and they let us die with nothing, with Mm -hmm. fucking nothing, because they didn't care, because it didn't affect them. They were dead gay bodies, and so it didn't matter. The other similar thing is that Republicans were in charge of more things at that time you know Mm -hmm. reagan didn't say the word aids for the longest time most towards the end of his you know eight years yeah it took it took a long time for it to be recognized on that level yeah Mm -hmm. so but you know and what i really hate is when you know they bring out the gay fear tropes around you know not just now every four years but now every two years they're going to bring us out and win this election on our backs that's oh my gosh off like i want to be like what the fuck is florida doing you know with their whole you know you can't say it it's like what well, and, you know, in a lot of ways, that's kind of what the don't ask, don't tell was. It don't yep. speak about it thing. Yep. Um, it didn't work. It didn't stop bullying. It, you know, people need support. Kids need support. And, you know, one of the best things that has been accomplished in the last, you know, 40 years, I've been an adult for 40 years, is that um, there... <laughs> Well, I don't know if I've been an adult. <laughs> okay, I have to say that both of them got Snickers on their faces. You are both so We did? Busted. We both did? Oh, sorry. Okay, Janet, I can reconcile that you are quite an accomplished, mature individual. But it just made me laugh because you are so also very playful and like very, you're just, yeah. And so it was just funny to hear yourself call yourself an adult. Sorry. I'm telling you, BDSM keeps you young. It does. It does. It does. It does. Actually, maybe I'll switch gears on that for a moment. Um, Oh, and I'm going to forget his name. But um, Sherry Rose had a slave who 
He is the longest surviving person to uh, have lived until about 40 with this disease. The next closest person to survive was in their 30s, like in early 30s. Wow. So he felt very strongly that his life as a um, person with disabilities was extended. And he was a big pain. It was pain. It was all about the pain. You, you teach your, your body to heal. Mm-hmm. Experiencing this pain, loving the pain, loving your body and, and its marks and everything. And then there's something that clicks in the head. Like, you know, if I see a big gash and blood coming out, it's like, oh, I'm going to do okay. Let's just get an ambulance or something. You know, and <laughs> instead of like, oh, my God, it's blood. I'm passing <laughs> out. <laughs> but, but I think I really related to what he was saying. That was really his belief. And her name, they're, they're on uh, Wikipedia, Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-E, Rose, R-O-S-E. And, and Bob Flanagan. Bob, Bob Flanagan is the person with a disability. And their story is amazing. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's so, so really yeah. helpful. And I, I know another woman that was in a severe um, motorcycle wreck and um, she walks and she does everything. And her doctor even told her about there are some people who are super healers. And we don't necessarily know why, but they do this. And it's like, I think I know why. Well, we and there's talk. been talk, right, that if we, if you, if you're hurt more, right, and you allow your body to heal from it, your body finds a pattern for creating those white blood cells that heal you. Mm-hmm. So scientifically, it makes sense that that we would be better at healing, not to toot our own horns, but... <laughs> Well, we are approaching kind of, we've got, I think, quite a bit here going, and I feel like this is a nice segue into probably getting to where we are going to invite you, Janet, to now, we like to enter or end our show with a quote, and um, so we are going to ask you to read a quote that is meaningful to you. So if you could please share it and then also just explain a little bit as to what it means for you. Okay. So um, this is from the movie Notorious RBG. And it's a quote by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And this is, I've heard it said more than one way, but this is the way it was said in Uh, this movie. I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. Hmm. And what I can say about that, notice the apology in the first sentence. We were still apologizing for being female. I ask no favor because treating us equal is a big favor. And the respect. One of the things, you know, I learned from Leather was honor, integrity, and respect. It kind of comes from military stuff. Um, All I ask of our brethren, you know, we're not going to get anywhere by calling them names. 
is that they take their feet off our necks. We're going to tell the truth. We're not going to sugarcoat that part of it. That, that was, I don't know, I was just so proud of her for speaking up, you know, speaking to power, speaking truth to power. And, you know, she did a lot for us and she does not deserve to be replaced by who she was replaced by. And, um, you know, if nothing else, uh, you know, really now we, if they make all, all of it illegal, there's going to be really what they call abortion on demand. And it's going to be illegal abortion on demand without any regulations. And I think what we need to start doing is taking all those regulations off our books while they're diddling around. And so when we get it back, they don't have all those restrictions. They have to, you know, buy that thing back. It, all of it costs money. Legal or political progress, gay progress, women's progress, it's all very expensive. And, and a lot of times I felt like doing it state by state, they were, we had 50 states we had to pass gay rights in, mm -hmm. you know, and they're, they're spending up all our money. AIDS is spending up all our money. You know, it's, it, it's been hard and it feels like they're winning now. And in some ways it feels harder than it's ever been because in 72, when abortion was legalized, I was not having sex yet. So I've always had the option of abortion. Mm -hmm. well, I think everyone should. Man. It's, it's a personal choice and it's a private choice. And if we start giving away our privacy, people aren't going to be able to keep their guns. What do they think that that's based on? <laughs> I don't know. We need to have you on more. Like, there's so many more questions <laughs> that I wanted to ask, but at the same time, I don't want to take up all of the time. Um, yeah, because you, you've been there, done that. You've seen things. And I am not lying when I say I feel like you're the community archives. I, I have some of them. And, and there's a, a man named Russ Duncan that also has a bunch of pictures, too. And um, we're getting them all together and putting them in the uh, uh, Gay and Lesbian Archives of Mid-America that's based at mm -hmm. UMKC. I'd really like to give a plug for them. Um, pioneers are in the process of donating uh, our all the history we still have. And it's a lot of stuff. And it's been in moldy basements. And so we're going through and trying to pick out, you know, what we can give to them, what is not a toxic <laughs> mold bomb and what is and, you know, that kind of thing. So. I was talking to Kali a couple events ago or something, and I realized that I don't have, I have hardly any pictures at all, digital or not. Oh, yeah. of people in the community and I was thinking about it and I was like if our generation doesn't start taking photos and keeping them we're going to lose track of who was here and that would be that would be a shame that mm -hmm. would be awful um, 
because I think I think that the history is important. I don't think it's appreciated enough. Mm-hmm. This has been another episode of Rack where we're women talking about kink responsibly. Um, and I, I can't thank Janet enough for sharing her passion and her experience and her life with us. So thank you. Thank you, Janet. Thank you all for doing uh, this program that reaches a bunch of people way more than I could reach on my own. And hope you have continued continued great guests and good luck and lots of fun. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so this has been Polly. And this is Emma. Good night, everybody. Bye.